Spring is in full bloom. Are your finances? With the Chime Secured Credit Builder Visa Credit Card, you can build credit with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments, all with no annual fees or interest. With Chime's Secure Credit Card, you can start improving your credit scores right away. Get started today at Chime.com slash build. That's Chime.com slash build. Chime feels like progress. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal and OTC advance fees may apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com slash disclosures for details. This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. Hey guys, welcome to the Full Blast Podcast. And before we get into it with Mark Peacock, I want to talk to you about a few things. I, ha- I hate to say this. It makes me, it hurts for me to tell you that your website's no good, but it's just the case. You're not bringing the money in and you're having a problem. You have all the technique. You have the tools. You know what you're going to make, but you're not bringing in the money. And part of it is because of your website. If you go to akinteractive.com, Andreas Kalani is going to make you a website that makes you bring in money. That's what you want. You want it to be easy. You want it to be easy. And he's got 20 years of experience, full service design and marketing experience from knife makers and other craftsmen. Any maker. He'll make it for you. He does it for himself. He does logo and identity and identity design, business card design, marketing and collateral design, web design, and e-commerce uh, commerce storefronts using common platforms such as Shopify, Wix, and WordPress. He's going to fix your website, and it's going to be great and beautiful, and then you're not going to have to worry about it. He's made really great websites for Steve Schwarzer, Mike Tyree, Don Nguyen, Will Brigham, Luke Delmer. And what he's going to do is he's going to fix it up for you. And if you go to akinteractive.com and you tell him Full Blast 10 or tell him the Full Blast podcast, aren't you? he's going to take 10% off. You give him a deposit. He gets you a nice website. He gives you the keys to the car. You pay him the end, and there are no monthly fees. He's going to show you how to change it, show you how to upload stuff, make it different, make your changes. And if you have any problems, he's going to be there for you. So go check out the Golden Kalani, a.k.a. Interactive. Get your website squared away because we, we all know it's a problem. So that's that. Now, you got your website, but maybe you need something to seal all your knives and your hammers and your axes. Why don't you use Axe Wax? Axe Wax is an all-natural food-safe wax for your axes and your hammers and your knives. I just put on a pile of... I had a customer come in with a knife that I made him four years ago uh, with a walnut handle. It looked great. It needed a little touch-up. So I gave it a little bit of buff, hit it with the Axe Wax. I sent him on his way. He was happy. It's got no petroleum byproducts, got nut nicky in it, and he's going to fix it. It's going to make great finish for your... All your tools, whatever you got, you can put them put on your leather bag, you put on your leather shoes. And if you go to if you go to axwax.us and you put in promo code full blast ten, you're gonna get ten percent off. And if you're in the UK, UK knife supplies, that's Toby Morell's joint, he has it too, and he said that he'll give he'll honor full blast ten. So if you're in the UK, go hit up Toby, he's doing a good job too. Set him send him some biz and say put in full blast ten, and he's gonna give you ten percent off your wax. My guest today is Mark Peacock, dear underscore river underscore craftsman. He is a fine cabinetry maker. He's a YouTube, YouTube sensation. I'm saying sensation, Mark. He is a wonderful guy, and I'm really happy to have him here. Mark, how are you? 
I'm really well, Jeff. Thank you so much for having me on. I've been really looking forward to this ever since you asked me. So, yeah, I'm really looking well, forward to it. You're a very interesting character because you're number one, you're very supportive. And I, you're incredibly... I love watching you make all your... I worked for a, a fine cabinetry maker a number of years ago. And it was a totally different experience from being a metal worker. And I was arrogant thinking, ah, listen, I can do this. I was a metal worker. How much harder can it be? I can read a tape measure. I know about 30 seconds and stuff like that. And, I, and what I noticed was it was a complete different mindset. And what I love about it is such a, diff, a different mindset. And it's such a, I have such an appreciation for it. But with you, I feel like because you're such a fine woodworker, you have all these connections and friends and I feel like your 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 mis- mistress is a metal worker. I feel like you want to be a metal worker. <laughs> I, I think it's um, I'm I'm really intrigued by um, by metal work, and I've I've been wanting to incorporate it into more of my furniture over the over the years. But I I, I did some welding when I was younger as well, so I, I kind of miss it. So I, I I have done a little bit of metal work. Um, um, I, I think it's I I, I just I have a a real passion for working with wood at the same time. But um, I, 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 there's something about metal. There's something about also the people that also enjoy working with metal. They just seem my kind of people as well. And that's, yeah. that's probably, yeah. Well, you know, straight fabrication. Like I worked at a couple fabrication shops where there wasn't any blacksmithing. They had a, they had an anvil, but it never got touched. And so it was like lots of straight, you know, newel posts for railings and straight pickets and, you know, not a lot of fooling around. And it was very similar to fine woodworking because what you guys do is there's so much preparation of the material and it's very similar to fabrication. And I, what I learned was, was that it was just this kind of caring and the slowly, slowly preparation of this material. And it was totally the opposite mind frame that uh, Blacksmith has. And it was like, I have totally appreciated it. Yeah, and I think I, I think I'm, I can be quite a spontaneous person. So actually, sometimes I sit there and think, oh, I've got to plan this 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 cabinet or this piece of furniture out, and it's got to got to do quite a bit of math and geometry and get all of that right. And every now and then, it, it's it's nice when I can do a piece that I can just sit there and go, I can freeform this, and that's kind of what I the limited blacksmithing that I've had an opportunity to have a go at. I like the fact that you can just, you can go a bit of free form at it. You can, you can, you, you can sort of, the lines don't have to be exact. They just have to look like something you are going to enjoy. And I think that, that, that I find very appealing. I'm surprised that you say that because, you know, with the work that you've done, I was actually, this morning I was watching your YouTube video on the air ministry desk yeah. and it was so similar. That particular that particular project. If you go to uh, Deer River Craftsman on YouTube, he's got a great YouTube channel. We're going to talk about your videos because they're very finely curated. And I got we got to talk about that at some point. Thank but you. specifically, this morning I was watching the uh, the Air Ministry desk. It's a very thin desk that the legs are thin and and the the whole the whole profile that the the desk is very thin. I felt like this could totally be fabricated in steel. Yeah. You know, completely fabricated in steel, and it wouldn't be out of it wouldn't have been, it wouldn't be a crazy difference in in terms of like the final outcome like i feel like this could have been replicated in steel and it was it was interesting to me because there is this preparation of material and then, but i for the fact that you say that you're very spontaneous i find that very hard to believe 
Uh, it's don't get me wrong uh, you, if you run a business as you know you've got to have some planning about you and some organization otherwise uh, you, you, you've, you've got to make all that stuff happen at the same time but uh, if you look at my personal projects you look at the furniture in my house it's it's not it's not to an exact standard whereas my workshop is to an exact standard because that's that's where I'm practicing to absolutely make sure I've got my head in the right place, um, and also it's my my literally my shop front as well in this day huh. and age, um, uh, especially in the UK. And I'm pretty sure it's the same for you guys. It's expensive to have property and commercial property, so all of having our shop fronts as our as our social media is is kind of really important. So when I'm when I'm in the workshop, I want that to look crisp and clean and be be part of what we're doing, but if if you walk around the rest of the property, um, yeah, my, my wife and I are really happy to have sort of wild areas where nature can grow, and that's and, and, and our house is not to an exacting standard because that's our private space, right? So I, I think, yeah, uh, that's I'm 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 really happy actually being in in both worlds, but it's a work mindset, nice clean lines and precision home life mindset, and therefore when I'm doing personal projects, yeah, bit bit more spontaneous bit more organic are you getting a lot of clients from instagram uh my last 10 jobs are all from instagram and my next 15 are from instagram that's amazing yeah and <laughs> it I, is to the, me as well <laughs> that's amazing because you know the the interesting thing from the difference between fern, you know there's woodworking is so there's so many different avenues that you can go and when I worked for this one uh, fine carpenter I don't I don't call it a fine carpenter we were doing furniture but mostly it was a lot of buildings so building cabinets and building you know like a first very site specific work yeah and it was so much time and energy was budgeted towards the installation. I, it, it was like it was overwhelming because you're thinking about how many days you're going to be at the, the client's house and how many days you're going to and then bringing it over and and it's to me I would think that the kind of customer that, that buys stuff from you on Instagram would I would think there'd be a younger it would be a younger uh, younger audience but in, at the same time a lot of people who do buy buildings are maybe they're more established maybe they have a little bit more money I'm interested to know more about your how, your customers. So it's it's really diverse, right? So that air ministry desk, um, the, uh, the the couple um, are both retired. Um, they love their antiques. They've got this fabulous brand new house um, that they've just had renovated. Um, I don't know if you have the concept of, of grand designs as a TV program like we have in the UK over here, but I, I, I'd call it quite a, a grand designs type house. It's, it's built around an old farmhouse in Yorkshire, um, not far from Honours part of the world, um, yeah. out in farmland. But they've built this uh, really sort of more modern um, sort of glass um, atrium to, to join two farm buildings together. So it's a real mixture of of, uh, of of an agricultural feel and a quite modern, almost museum type feel. But they've got a lot of older pieces um, in in the house, um, and and they were searching for a really long time to get an actual. 1930s desk from the air ministry so for the, the huh. old version of the um uh, of our ministry of defense um when they were specific to whatever 
part of the de- defense world that you were in um and they couldn't find one they just they really couldn't um and um uh, the, the client sort of uh, contacted me via instagram and said look we're, we're, we've seen some of your other work um would you be interested in this and working with with us on the design i thought i'd love to it'd be great to try and take an old antique piece but give it a bit of a modern twist and give it some clean modern lines um which Mid-century modern, to a certain degree, has become one of the. Uh, I, I, I start short calling it trendy, but we'll just use that for the right a, a, a kind of trendy way of um, of doing furniture. So it kind of went really well together, um, and we went back and two together on designs, uh, and 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 we just got to a point where we we both did some sketches and um it kind of looked almost identical based on some of the pictures of the air ministry desks that they had back in the 1930s um and that was great um and then he came back again to have bedsides done exactly the same as that and then the bookcase i'm working at the moment is is for the same client and again it's going into um um, him and his wife's office and this this bookcase is based on an old heels so uh, i think it's alfred heels was a, a sort of an, an 1800s fine furniture maker in London. Um, I mean, as a company, I think they're still going, but they wanted this particular 1920s antique bookcase, but they liked two versions. So we designed one which was two versions together, um, and they got the best of what uh, of both of those pieces, but it's still going to have that antique look that they really wanted. But so yeah, I've also got clients who are um, in in their twenties and sort of the very beginning of their careers, um, um, and 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 some of my clients are, are are not based here, and but they kind of like the idea as well. I think of um, and they're prepared to pay a bit more for having the experience of seeing their piece of furniture made in the workshop because they know they'll see it via Instagram. And for some, some clients have even said, would you do a YouTube video of, of, of this? Cause we want it, we want to be able to refer back to it, it, the document, the documenting process of our furniture. I'm like, yeah, sure. It's, it's um, absolutely. So there are some things I thought and think, oh, I'm, not, I'm not sure that will make the, the greatest content. If you want to try and look at it from that point of view. And then I surprised myself because I've suddenly realized I know nothing about this game and I put something out there that does vastly better than I was expecting it to. So, um, but I quite like doing the YouTube videos for the clients that are really interested in the build quality and the build, the build process. So that, that works really well. It's kind of part of the selling point of build, of, of building the furniture for people. So you are giving an entire experience. We, we use that bullshit expression when, uh, when, when the knife making is, you know, we, I try to do a lot of, uh, especially when I do giant batches of knives, I'll do it, I'll make it a big thing in my Instagram stories and, you know, it's the whole experience. And, and at the same time, people really enjoy it. And, and it is a great way to kind of like bring people, it's not just buying something off of Amazon. I mean, you are seeing somebody making it. In regards to, I want to just out of curiosity, in regards to that air that air ministry desk, was is there like a reason? Because it seemed to me, I mean, I might be crazy, but it seemed to me it would be very light. It see, air wasn't just you know like it is ironic because because I mean compared to like your workbench or some of your other things, I mean it, it is it seemed very light. And um, was there something to the air ministry desk that was typical of being kind of a light? style desk i mean when you see normally when you see a lot of these desks a lot of them are especially older desks you know they're meant to be in a place that seems light and area almost as if it was meant to be moved 
Yeah, that was the the interesting part of it, is if you look at the old school air ministry desks that are very dark oak, um, and, and they look very sturdy because they were, they you were essentially planning sorties on them as a as a, as a yeah. pilot, or you were you were planning um, certain aspects of war, and and they were being used by so many different um, people in in the ministry. But when the client was talking about it, I kind of picked up on them um, talking about their new property and what they'd done, and I'm thinking, well, why don't we make this? try and keep that antique feel and we'll get that from the oak. We'll get that from making the oak look dark and we'll select pieces of wood that have got um, interesting grain patterns that was much more akin to the, the types of wood that the air ministry would have, because they built those desks themselves a lot within the, uh, from some of the research I've done huh. um, on it. So it, it was, it was kind of trying to make sure that I got um, uh, oak that had a lot of um, what we call medullary rays. It's the, the flex of 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 quite almost whiteness in the oak so uh, i tried to make sure i got those kind of boards that would have a lot of medullary rays a lot of people who like oak pieces detest and don't like um so that that was uh that that was a good part um, about it but because they had a, a kind of modern part to their home and it was still fresh and 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 um and and really really tidy and crisp we felt like we had to make the desk really tidy and crisp and have a light feel to it so they still got the 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 part of what they were looking for which was something that's antique something that had style compared to what the antiques they did have in their house but it equally had a nod to sort of the modern crisp clean lines of their new house so that's why it looks a lot lighter than what you'd expect to be a as you say a real working item um yeah. in, in 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 a defense uh, uh, office essentially i love i love hearing about the history behind design uh, well, actually when i was first uh, out out in the late 90s I got commissioned to do, and I ended up losing the job, but I was going to do a campaign bed. It was a, it was a style that was done by, I guess it would call it like, it was like a Napoleonic style where the, the, the headboard and the footboard were uh, uh, two X's and in the middle of the X was a pin so it could fold up and then you'd have slats that you could add and then there are these posts on the outsides that kind of held the, you know, the footboard together and the headboard together. But you could all, you know, in, you know, I guess the idea was that Napoleon would have it, you know, take it apart and brought to the next battlefield or something like that. Sure, yeah. It turned into this, you know, the style. But the the original idea of this campaign bed, it was super cool. It was beautiful and it was, you know, lots of steelwork and lots of foraging and stuff like that. I ended up, be honest with you, I ended up, I ended up not getting a job because, Somebody told me, a person in my family who is no longer in my family told me I'm undercharging and that I should send a bill for the drawing. Yeah, I didn't even get the job. And I said, I don't think I should send a bill because I didn't even get the job. Why would somebody pay for the drawing? And I, I didn't even say that. I said I was going to have a driving for. I can't get a bill. And this person was like, you're submitting a bill with this drawing and I'm not taking no for an answer. I'm like, so what should I charge? And she said... You should charge two hundred fifty dollars. I'm like two hundred fifty dollars for this drawing. I haven't even. It's not even like a planned sketch. It's just like a drawing, and she's gonna do it. So I'm like, okay, you know, she knows better. So I put the bill in the drawing. It was just like a rough drawing, and then I got this phone. And then we were about to go. And my wife and I were about to go on vacation, and I got. And we had nothing to. We were about to get ready for the next morning. Going to the airport, 
that my phone rings and this I got P.S. At the time, my wife was a nurse was a nursing student, and she was we had a very very small apartment. So my idea of being out of the way was smoking some weed on the fire escape, <laughs> and then tucking myself into a sock drawer, so I wouldn't be in her way. I wouldn't annoy her. I was basically catatonic, and it was like I was like a plant. It was great. It was perfect. I mean, it was like it was as if you were putting me away in storage, and I was perfectly happy, and she was perfectly happy. I keep I, I'm I'm not like rifling through stuff, and I'm you know, tiny apartment. So I'm high as a kite and this woman calls and she starts screaming at me. Who do you think you are putting a bill in with the shitty drawing? And I don't know who you think you are that you're going to charge me $250 for this terrible drawing. She lit me up and I, but I was so high. It was like, I I can't ever, I can't do this ever again. But that was my can't pay bed story. I love it. Love it. Do you know, it's different pros. I know know a lot of furniture makers who literally will want to deposit to to do the design work. And um, my my point of view on that is win win the business first. And then then, um, if you you price your work correctly over time and you're producing quality and you're trying to do the right thing by people, usually those things swim back around to you. That's that's a that's a big issue in the knife making community because there are a lot of people who say you don't take a deposit, you know, you make the knife and then they pay you. But then there are you know nowadays there's so many more people who kind of flake that it becomes almost difficult to not take just the deposit, you know. Um, but what one of the things I one of the things that I think is great about what you do is because you create these relationships with these customers. They might need something else, and you certainly they want it to match. So why yeah. not get the same guy to, that made the desk to make the bookshelf? Absolutely, yeah. And and I, I think that's a philosophy of a lot of um, um, of a lot of people that I really identify with in this community. Um, that it, it's it, it's about creating an ethos of customer service. I love it when you when you guys talk about customer service on Knife Talk because it's such a thing that's. I am passionate about, and it's it, it's not just about building a great piece of furniture. It's about uh, I, if I'm doing an install. Um, so, for, so for example, I was um, I was doing an install this weekend, and um, it was some some wainscoting in someone's bedroom. But I noticed that the door to their bedroom was was sticking. And I'm sitting thinking, okay, well, I, I know exactly why that's sticking. The the, the hinge is going to be um, put in incorrectly. And very quickly, I just said to the client, I said, your door's sticking. They said, yeah, yeah, we don't quite know. I said, well, it, it will be the hinge has got, got a bit of an issue. So if you want, I'll just, I'll just quickly take that off and bend the hinge back in and put it back on. It took me 15 minutes. Um, but I, I can't tell you how appreciative they were of having that door fixed. It took me 15 minutes. I wasn't charging them for it. I was waiting for paint to dry. But it was a customer service part that right. I think makes a huge difference to people. And I think if, if a lot of people took that attitude with a lot of things rather than always sort of pushing against, the, oh, well, I haven't costed that and I haven't costed this. I, I get it. We've got to cost it. We got, you've got to price things right and you mustn't do, do yourself in. But if, something's, if you can do something that's small and is not a big uh, imposition on your time, and you're offering it, those are huge things to a, to, to a client. I definitely, customer service, I mean, I learned customer service in the restaurant business. Yeah. And it saved my ass a thousand times over just because, 
you know, answering emails quickly or giving, you know, unsolicited uh, pictures of their work without them saying, where's my whatever, you know, it's just kind of being on top of it. It's, it's, you're creating a degree of trust. I mean, we're not in the business of like, you know, it's not like the grocery store where you, you know, you put your stuff in your cart and you pay at the end. You know, this is, there's a, there, there is a lot of, you know, speculation and there's a lot of like, you know, like ambiguity and for you to kind of give trust to your customer, your, your patient. I'll tell you what, I'll tell you, I actually have a guy right now who is difficult. He's difficult. And we knew he was going to be difficult. And we were just like, it'll be fine. So he, you know, older guy, perfectly nice, put it, you know, is going to buy, you know, a nice knife. And he just basically, you know, instead of just, he's got my email, instead of sending me an email or message, he, you know, he just wrote something on my Facebook page, you know, or my Instagram, something, he wrote something. And I was like, let me just get a hold of this guy. Like, I need to talk to somebody. And so I sent him a message and I was like, and I told him, this is what's going on. I get the Damascus on its way and blah, 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 blah. And I thought maybe there's a problem, you know, with the way, you know, the pandemic has been. People's jobs are uncertain. Everything's uncertain. You, you just don't know. But I gave him a, you know, just basically like, I got the, the wood is all squared away. The, the seal's on its way. And I'm really excited about your knife. And that's all I wanted. But it was like, we were, my, my business partner, Tony and I were talking about it and I was just like, but for some reason, some customers, it's like, instead of having a regular conversation, it's like they're going to the window in their underwear and just yelling at the window at you. Instead of like, you know, sending in a message and let's just talk like normal people. Yeah. They just get in the window with your underwear and start yelling for you, Jeff. You know, what's going on with, and it's just like, let's just be normal. So customer service saves the day because, you know, you know, I wrote this nice message and, you know, I pre-packed it with the stuff that's actually happening. And it was like, everything's cool and this guy's going to be great. And I'm going to like, you know, I might have to, you know, white glove him a little bit. But at the, at the end of the day, it's like, you know, he might just buy a set of knives. Yeah. So we, I like your, your, I love the fact that you say that your, your customers love your YouTube channel. And I, when I was looking at all your videos, I love your videos because they're very clearly, you know, they're, they're very considered in terms of, you know, them as a whole, as a group. It's not like the same thing over and over again. You got the, besides the Walnut TV console and the, you know, your woodshop storage card and the air ministry desk, the workbench. I really want to talk to you about the workbench and the, the, the red pine table. I love how different everyone is. And what I love about the, all of them is you don't feel the need to have to teach like there's not this need of explaining what you're doing with the back, and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I know that yeah. friends of ours uh, do that, and they'll maybe they'll, be, and it is for a lot of uh, craftsmen who are watching the YouTube channel. They they might learn something or something like that, but it feels like you are talking. You're just showing. You're talking to your. You're not talking. You're showing your customer what's going on. And what I love about that is it's very much along the lines of I'm not here to tell you the way it is. This is what I'm doing. You know. I, I, I wholeheartedly agree. I mean, I, it's I, I'm I'm a big believer. Again, this is the it, it comes down to the way I learn. I, I learn by watching somebody do something and then asking questions after it. So, I decided when I was doing the the, the videos, I think one of my videos is voiced over and I'm talking it through. And and I and I and I, and I watched it back and I thought, no, it, it's it, it's not. You, 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 you're sort of dictating how you'll do something. And for some people, they'll follow that gospel. So for me, it was more what the videos that I really enjoy watching, for example, are the ones that 
are, are, are really cracking on with it uh, and, and doing it. But at the same time, they're talking more about the their experience in the process rather than saying join this to this to this to this yeah. this and that's the only way to do it um i mean i i, I love the videos that um that the, the alex poles crew put out i know steve does the majority of of that work because then they're not necessarily showing you exactly how to make a now they're talking they're talking about the process of making the now and the hist- history behind it i find that really entertaining um I, I I love watching um, a, a lot of stuff that um, that someone like Jimmy does because again none of it's voiced over. It, it's just about I'm I'm doing this. Watch me do it and pick right. up some pick up some things that you think that you might be able to use. So I'm not expecting someone to go and replicate uh, the Air Ministry desk, for example. But I am expecting someone maybe to go, huh? You did your drawers that way. I might use that in my next project when I put some yeah. drawers in something. And I think that's a, and, and, and to a certain degree, I, I also believe that I want them to ask questions because that helps with the engagement on the actual video. But, but, and, and, and therefore that, that's kind of, uh, useful, but I'm, I'm not, I'm not one necessarily always for saying that this is how you should do it. And, go away and do it. I, I'm, I'm much, I, I do want to get into actually doing courses, but for me, the courses will be more about, Hey, come and spend some time here. We're going right. to make a, I don't know, a bench, but we're going to talk about design. We're going to talk about a design principle. We're going to talk about a process. And you know what? You might actually have some more techniques and talent that I've got no idea about. And I want us to, 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 to do more of a design piece and work through it. And then, if you need a bit more uh, advice on how to do a particular joinery technique, then great, we'll go through that. But at, at, at the same time, is if you already know how to do that joinery technique, where I think uh, particularly in a lot of woodworking, and that's why there's plans are so prevalent in the woodworking world, for example, is because people lack the confidence to do either the math or the geometry or the des- or the design element, but they're really good at doing the the joinery and the actual the actual techniques. So that that's kind of why I want any course that I do um, in the future here to be more about the experience and the design rather than about the technique because I, I'm pretty sure there'll be there'll be some better people out there that can do it from a technique point of view. So, and there's a you know a million ways to skin a cat and exactly. everyone has a different thing. What but but what it says to me because you're not doing voiceover work and explaining what you're doing at every point, you're also changing your the 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 focal point of who your audience is. Yeah, because no longer is it like. It's no longer how to thing. You're not doing step by step how to make it. This is the way it is. So it's it is. I love the fact that you said that your customers want you to do a YouTube video because they just want to see how it's done. Yeah, it, it's um, I, I, the, the last few um, non workshop builds have all been clients saying, "Would you mind doing the video?" There, I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, sure, absolutely." If, it, if it's something that you're going to enjoy, it's part of the process um that is is going to make this a piece that that you really care about then then great and and that's 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 honestly why i I do a a lot of this is i genuinely like the idea of being part of people's story as it were of of having something they really love in their home when i buy things i don't buy a lot of things but when i do buy things um I, i i i buy it with an idea of i 
I connect with the story of what the, 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 the people that made it and I connect with the quality of it. Um, it, it's, I like the idea that I, I have, um, one expensive piece of art in my house, um, which makes my parents eyes water when I tell them how much it is, but I walk into my lounge every day, look at that frame on the wall and go, that makes me happy. And I think if, if something can literally make you happy every day and you're going to see it every day, it's worth the money. <laughs> well, now I need to know about this piece. Tell me, explain this painting to this piece of art. You have to explain it. Really simple. So it, it, it is a it is a hair running in the moonlight and the... Um, the, the it, it, it's It's painted so well by an artist that I got to meet and have... Um, a glass of wine with at the gallery and really identified with, with the guy. And I asked him that well, you, you do a lot of, um, you do a lot of animal sculpture, you do, you do a lot of um, prints, um, uh, sort of um, bark printing, but yeah. a lot of the pictures you take are of landscapes of, of, of where we are here, but also uh, of animals. I said, and what I, I loved about this piece was, this is a hare running in moonlight. How, 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 and, and for me, the, 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 the way the light picks up on it, on, on the hare's backside and on the towel was, was perfect. And I'm sitting there thinking, but how, how, light is such an important part of what you're doing. You must have seen that completely um, as, um, as the sun's going down and, and just locked it in your brain. And he said, yeah, yeah. He said, he said we have loads of hares and we have loads of deers and we have loads of badgers. He said, but I, I, I literally lock a view that I have in the middle of the day or at any part of the day in my head and then I go away and interpret it, it my way, but I still try and remember the key aspects about that. And I was like, "Wow, that's 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 completely different to what I have to do in my in my own world." But I I loved his story about how how yeah. he did that. Plus, I just love uh, my wife and I are very much love um, uh, um, animals. We really like hares, and it was just a picture that we were both completely drawn to. Um, but yeah, it's 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 it's. But for me, I think it's it's also the idea of it just makes you smile. Um, so you're doing the same thing with your customers, basically. Is like you're creating yeah. a relationship between, you know, you and the person making it, and you, the you and the piece that they're going to put in their house. Yeah. Very yeah. nice. Very nice. Now, my favorite moment in all your videos, all of them, without question, is the workbench, the traditional joinery uh, bench that you made looked like it weighed 400 pounds. I mean, it looked like it was a monster. It, it is. It's a, it is a, it is a sturdy, sturdy piece of kit. That's for sure. I, and I immediately thought he's not sending this anywhere. This is staying in his shop. There's just no way that this is going to someone's house. No, it, it's, it's definitely, it was definitely mine. It was, uh, it's always been a dream to make that, to the style of bench um, and going back again to design the actual design of that bench is is, a, is another woodworker that i that i i really um love he's called third coast craftsman actually a guy called chris Schomburg. he's got a huge youtube channel um and we've chatted back and to a bit because we've kind of done the reverse he 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 built his his channel and he built um, everything he did in a small one car ga uh, garage in um uh in um uh, in Michigan, and he's now 
after building that app, gone out to his wonderful new property where he's got a fantastically massive new workshop that he started building. Whereas I did it the other way around to a certain degree. I got the property that I wanted and then I, and then I developed everything afterwards. So we, we, we've had a good chat about that. But it, I, the, the, the bench that I always dreamed of having was a Nicholson-style bench. It's a traditional British um, uh, joinery bench. Um, and he actually did one that was half Nicholson and half Roubaix, which is a, a French-style workbench. And I thought, that's just, again, I, I love that idea of bringing together the two different styles and creating it as, as one on two different sides of the bench. So that, that was an area where I think, oh, I could have, I could have gone away and, and designed my own bench. But sometimes you sit there and they go, I love that design. I'm just completely going with that because I can't, I can't see anything that specifically I want to add to it that I feel like is going to make it better. Um, and, but it was still the concept of me that it was different from my client work because I did the whole thing with traditional joinery, whereas I could have used the kind of machines and, 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 and the bits of kit that I use on my client work to be efficient. But this was something for me, this was something personal, and therefore I wanted to go through the hard yards of cutting every mortise and tenon by hand and all of that good stuff. So, Could you describe what it looks like? I mean, what, what makes it the way it's supposed to be? How would you describe it to the audience? So it, the, the front of it is, I mean, it's all made in hard maple. Um, the, the top is 19, two and a half inch laminated, uh, that's thick, thick um, laminated pieces um, to make the actual work top. Um, it's got a front apron with, with dog holes in um, for work holding. And it's got a, an arm that comes out the front called a crochet. And that's a, a traditional work holding method for very long pieces of, um, uh, of wood. Um, so that, that's the Nicholson style side of the bench. And then if uh, you go on the other side, which is the French Roubaix style, you've got a, um, a front vice, um, although traditionally on a Roubaix, you'd have what's called a leg vice. So it goes all the way down that leg. Um, whereas I, I didn't really uh, want to do that because I use hold fasts. So I was right. happier with having a normal front. Uh, but you also have the sliding dead man, which is a, um, a, 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 a a piece that you can slide up and down depending on the length of um, um, the piece that you're working on. And it's, and it's really, it can be a bit more flexible than the Nicholson style where you got fixed dog holes in the, in the front apron. So yeah, it, it, uh, I've got no idea how much it weighs, but I can't move it on my own. And I'm a reasonably strong, big guy. Yeah. So <laughs> um, yeah, it's huge. The moment of truth on that was the moment when you, kind of installed the top of the bench onto the legs yeah and there was this you were you put you put it on and how you got it on you know whatever whatever you did and then you were hammering it down and you were just like with a mallet you were kind of fitting it for obviously that's it i mean yeah it seemed as though it was very clear that once you're going down that's about it you ain't taking it back out and it was this moment you had this moment of just like you clean the shop up and i felt like there was a lot of pressure for this one shop shot yeah. because you'd done all this work and you put everything through it and you clean the shop up for this shot. I feel like you really kind of got ready. This was this is the moment. And then you lowered it down and then with the hammer you got it do mallet, you got it all down and you just let out this just sheer, you know, this yes. And it was like this, it felt like to, as a viewer, it felt like it was a really, really joyous moment that I really, really liked about it. 
No, it really was. And, and at one point I was uh, debating with myself, do I leave this in? Because this, this, to a certain degree, that was a very personal sort of, yeah. uh, sort of, I think, I think I just shout at the top of my voice, come yeah. on. Uh, yeah, that's thought, right. That's it. Yeah. That's what you said. You said, come on. I was like, Roy, it's like, well, all of a sudden you listen to Roy Scott too much. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. When I, when I start saying Tex McGee, you definitely know I've been listening yeah, to Roy start, far too yeah, much. You start, yeah. And maybe when I, you know, in the next video, you definitely put your fingers in some oil and then start rubbing on the tent. You know, Absolutely, you yeah. But I love Roy for that. That's all good stuff. Um, but it, I thought, no, say, put it in because most woodworkers will tell you the most stressful part about any about any piece of furniture is the glue up. It, it, right. It's uh, wood glue is is known to be stronger than the wood itself. Therefore, once that is dry, it ain't coming apart. It, it's um, unless you take a massive hammer to it, and therefore you've ruined the piece anyway. So glue ups are always stressful. Um, as you said, that one was even more stressful because I was putting an exceptionally heavy top right. um, onto um, uh, on, onto the legs, which I had hand cut um, uh, uh, from a, from from the very very beginning. Um, it, there was hours and hours of hours of work that had got into the bench at, at that stage. So if I had messed that part up, it would have been start again time. Not oh. not not sort of so any uh, i've been doing furnitures for a long time so i'm i'm i I don't get as um i don't get as a sort of finicky or as or as or as nervous doing a glue up as i as i once did but that one i was thinking about i did not sleep the night before because i was i was replaying how i was to do it in my head over and over and over and over and i can be a pretty much an extreme workaholic anyway and i have to be very disciplined about when i'm working at what time i work to otherwise i will spend the entire night designing stuff or plotting stuff out of my head whereas that one i got no sleep because i was going over it time and time again so yeah there was a there was a hell of a lot of relief there was a hell of a lot of joy that came out in that moment and i'm sure a lot of other people felt that so i wanted to show it i thought that was a nice nice part i picked up on it 100 percent because it was you know the amount of time and sending things through planers and sanding them and doing this. And then it is massive. I mean, there is this quality to it that, I mean, I think it probably weighs probably like four or 500 pounds. I mean, the thing looks gigantic and that relief because it's, it's this moment of truth. But the fact is it isn't for customers for you, but it was like, it was more about the object itself. And you know, when I was watching it, 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 it jogged a memory from me. So, you know, the tools you have are beautiful there was one tool I, I I got used to using a planer, one that you feed through, and then the blades are on the top, yeah. and then you feed it through. I got to use that uh, a few years ago when I was working for this uh, uh, carpenter. But the other kind of planer you have, and I don't know the name of it, but it basically it's like a table, and then the 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 blades are on the bottom, and then there's yeah. a fence on the uh, I guess if the fence is on the right side of yeah. where you're sending it through, and then you're putting the wood, uh, you're you're holding the wood down, and then you're running the over oh, you're running the material over the planer. Yeah, what is that that tool called? So we call that in the UK a planer, um, okay. whereas in the US you call it a jointer. Um, okay. so, uh, I, I've heard people in the UK call it both things. So the, the other tool that you're talking about where you feed it through and the blades are on the top, we call a thicknesser. 
here because it's it tends to be thicknessing the wood as you're pushing it right. as you're pushing it through so yeah I, I, we, we tend to call the, the where the blades are underneath and you're and that's the when when you're milling stock um we, we you would tend uh, you don't have to uh, again I, I always stop short of someone everyone says oh the way you have to mill wood is you plane right. it first on one face and then you plane flat one edge and then you put it through the thickness and then you put it through the table saw and my point of view is as long as you've got four right angles, it's done. I don't, I don't right. care how you got there, but as long as you've got four right angles, <laughs> you're all good to go. Um, well, what happened was it had jogged a memory. My dad had a great wood shop, and he had a bandsaw, and he had a table saw, and he had a um, radial arm saw. But he had a planer, the kind of planer that you were talking about where it's a plate and then the blade's on the bottom and then there's a fence on the right. When I was very young he hurt himself very badly on it. I don't remember exactly what happened, but then I had kind of forgotten about it. He called for me. I think my parents were divorced at the time. So I'm, I'm, I'm we're trying to piece it all together. I was probably like 10 or 11 or something. He called for me and I went into the shop and there was blood everywhere. Yeah. And he, he sent me over to the neighbor's house because we were so far from the hospital and it was too far to call for an ambulance. And he sent me a little 10 year old boy to the neighbors because our neighbors the husband was a firefighter, a volunteer firefighter, and the, the, the wife was a nurse. And it, I was terrified. And I remember him sending me over to get them. And it was like this. And I was thinking about something. I was talking to my wife about it. And I was just like, what, what, what kind of fucking parent sends this 10-year-old to the, across the street to the neighbor's house to get you know, help because, you know, you've obviously, I think he probably touched it or something like that or touched yeah. the blade while it was going. I don't know exactly, I don't remember exactly what it was going, but it, it jogged this memory. And I was just like, what kind of person does it? What kind of person sends a 10 year old to go get help when you could have like, number one, been careful. Number two, you call somebody, but it was rotary phones and the whole nine yards. And who knows? Maybe, maybe cut off part of the, the rotary phone finger. I, who yeah, knows yeah. why he did what he did. But I, it, it was like this, it, it was like, I was watching, I was just like, God, my dad had that tool. And he never used it again he never used that that, that once that, that planer again it just sat there and i remember the plates being rusted i also remember staying away from it even when it was off because i i remember that was where all the blood was and it was this really very um it was this me memory that i had repressed it was a totally strange thing you know it, yeah it is a, it's a i mean a lot of things in most people's workshops are dangerous dangerous things and uh, uh i i um there, there's a couple of shots every now and then that i do where i'm not wearing a um a mask for example and i think that's because i think people have uh, have got the uh, a view of people wearing masks in a lot of videos as being a scary thing so if i'm if i'm recording and i'm using a table saw i'll tend to do the first two cuts which i'm filming without the mask on and then literally as soon as i've finished press the uh, the record button i'm going right okay now mask goes on because um and i've got very good extraction on on things like a table saw and i've got a great air filter but even then i'd still wear a mask because i'm around this stuff day in day out and yeah. i think it's those it's those um sometimes it's those silent killers that get you over time that people forget about it's uh it's very easy to be very scared of the spinning blades but e equally for a lot of people and especially with with you guys it's the metal dust that will probably get you not the um not 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 everything else in in, in the end but no it, it, it's that that the joints are the 
plane. It's it's one of those horrifically dangerous things because if you get your hand caught in it, it's taking it's taking your, your whole hand normally. So y- usually you're quite lucky if you nick the end of the finger. Don't get me wrong, I say lucky. It's, you're still missing right. the end of your finger, but those things can literally trap your pull. entire hand and pull you in it's 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 really quite they're quite dangerous but um yeah i i i i, I don't know if it's a, a luck factor for me i don't know whether it's i am quite risk averse with certain certain things i still i'm, I'm touching wood as i say this yeah. it's been tw- over 20 years i've still never had an accident more than a pretty bad cut on the on the table saw and even then that severed a tendon in my thumb i get a reminder every day because it still hurts every morning that i wake up but um whereas there's a lot of traditional old school carpenters that um that i've spoken to over the years and most of them will have some sort of digit missing on one of their hands because it's just that's just uh it's it's almost par for the course if you have a um if you've if you've done that for the majority of your career or like some weird flat spot exactly (laughs) So, I mean, I'm just, I'm, I'm imagining, you know, most, most, most people, you know, it isn't abnormal for fathers, for them, you know, for speak, generally speaking, to have had like a, some degree of a wood shop because, you know, you, you, you know, you, a lot of people maybe not have a drill press, but there's usually like, there's circular saws and drills and, you know, leaving light hand tools and woodworking seems to be much more approachable to people. When you were growing up, I know your father was a firefighter. Yeah. Was there a lot of building in your house? Uh, huge. My dad, like like most firefighters, they have second jobs. Um, my dad was a builder as well. Um, uh, when he, um, so he, um, we did a lot of projects um, as kids with him um, when he was going to, when he was doing other, uh, other bits of work, um, we would regularly go with him and some of his crew to go and do stuff. So yeah, with my, my brother and I have always been around, um, uh, around sort of tools. Um, um, my, my uncle, um, was a, he was a barge captain, a Thames sailing barge. Um, so very traditional, um, uh, boats that race on the Thames, but previously they, in the, when they were built in the 1800s, they would have been used for transport up and down the Thames. But, um, after certain other aspects of transport took over, they were, they were turned into racing barges and he was a barge captain. Um, so he, he did a lot of restoration work and he taught me a lot of joinery techniques. Um, he was a really interesting guy. He, um, he, uh, he, he I, I identified a great deal with him cause I loved my history and he loved his history and we'd we'd sit there and talk about joinery techniques while we were sitting there talking about the history of them but also the history of various different wars in europe because he was a published author on the napoleonic wars believe it or not so really yeah he was um uh we 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 lost him um a few years back but um i i I wanted to speak at his, um, his, his funeral and my aunt asked me if I would do. Um, and, and, and one of the interesting things of that was, um, uh, I, I, I spoke about how we, we did a lot of, um, uh, talking about the history of the of, of how you made things as well as how we could change the way you would do things and that was that was interesting he was a great chef as well um uh, and he taught uh, taught us to make a re- lot of really interesting different food that um we, we certainly wouldn't have done at home and he he did that because as well as being the barge captain behind the behind the tiller he was uh, they used to do the um 
uh, take people on charters and he, he'd do the cooking in the evening as well. So, um, and uh, so, but I, 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 because he was very, very different to, um, as was my aunt to, to my parents, I felt like I got the, the best of both worlds of having, um, uh, that kind of personality type that um, was a lot more reserved, but very, very cerebral versus my parents who were both um, uh, kind of, they, 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 they were both very confident in, 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 in who they, in who they were. Uh, and they, they, not that they pushed a great deal because I kind of pushed myself a great deal, but they created that very hardworking ethic um in you and wanted you to to to, to achieve stuff as well as letting you make your own decisions whereas my my uncle he was he was a very he was a very reserved kind of guy and uh, we just got on because he he enjoyed i think the idea that i liked things that he liked um yeah so yeah we had fun doing that but um uh it was um yeah but he uh he 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 was a published um, author on the Napoleonic period, and I did my. I think I did when I was doing my A uh, levels, which is like a senior seniors in the US. Um, and I, um, I, I, I loved my history, and I put my my essay in for, for, for to get my grades, and I got an absolutely fantastic grade for it because I put my heart, soul, and passion into it. But I got marked down on something. And I, what, have, what have I got marked down on? I went to go into the teacher. Said, what have I been marked down on here? And they said, uh, you you. Um, you you didn't complete your um uh your um your acknowledgments of 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 bits that you quoted i said i absolutely did they said no he said no look look at this one here you you've you you've you've said this and you quoted somebody but you've not said what book it came from and i smiled to myself i said because it's not in a book yet because my uncle said it and it will be published next month. So I couldn't put in what the title was. And, uh, and, and the teacher just smiled, took, took the paper away from me, regraded it, and it got, came back as, a, a, as the extra mark that I'd lost. And it, and it, and it was, I, I said that, um, that story at his funeral, and so many people sort of said, yeah, that was, that was a kind of real nice way of, uh, of getting across that the, the, he would never have wanted that, that mark to, to be there because he was a humble guy. And he goes, no. I know I did it, whereas I want to like, no, I, I, I deserve that, Mark. I, uh, that came from someone who was unpublished, but they were going to be published. That was, yeah, but it was an interesting point. What a, what a fantastic relationship. Yeah. And, you know, it seems like, and I wouldn't know, but I mean, does he, does he kind of fit into the, the stereotype of the, the English gentleman? Or I'm, Pardon me if I'm getting it wrong, but I mean, it seems as though he, you know, a published author and a barge captain, a man who works his hands, knows how to hard work hard. I mean, isn't this kind of like very, uh, I mean, how would you describe him? Yeah, he, 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 uh... An English gentleman, probably no, because he was he, he when he was on the barge, he was rough and ready because you had to be if you were if yeah. you were running uh, uh, if you were running a barge. Um, but he was he was a quiet guy, and he and he, he he could very much lead his team via his actions rather than rather than his words. Um, and I really I liked that about him, I identified that about him. But but equally, I kind of I, I also. Uh, enjoy being around other people who could lead and inspire with their words as well. But it, so it, it, it's, it's where to a certain degree as a, as a, as an overall family, I'd say we were exceptionally hardworking. My, my, my mum started as a, um, as a, as a secretary, a, um, a, 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 
a factory where they made tractors and she she rose to an executive level but when she when she retired um but she was exceptionally hard working um, and my dad was there wasn't a day that he didn't work um type of thing so that that whole ethic of of hard work and 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 wanting to to drive yourself came from 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 both my parents but there was also an element of hey you're making your own decisions here this is this is, we're not telling you ever what to do um you you're going to decide exactly what you want to do but the one thing we are absolutely going to instill in you is a hard work ethic and it was an interesting thing i was thinking about recently that um now I'm now doing something that I'm very passionate about, but I've done corporate jobs and I've, and I've, I've done those kind of things where I, I remember doing on a job site with my dad and I was doing an exceptionally hard um, uh, sort of uh, piece of uh, mortar work on, 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 this, um, on this brick wall. And my hands were just were blistered and awful. And I, and I said, Dad, I've got to stop. My hands are killing. I've got, to, I've got to take a rest. And he said, I want you to remember this feeling. I want you to remember how hard it is to do this kind of work. So you go and get good grades at school. He said, because otherwise this is the kind of thing that you're doing for the rest of your life where your hands will hurt at the end of every day. And I listened to that and I thought, okay, yeah, I'll definitely go away and I'll make sure. And I was young. I was probably 12 years old at that stage and i thought wow. yeah i have to go away and make sure i get those uh, get those good grades and it, it was it was an inspiring set of words um that he said but what's interesting is today i'm in my mid-40s i take great pride at the end of every day my hands are grubby dirty they've got sawdust on and they hurt right <laughs> so it, it, it's just a different a different way of looking at it that 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 drove me to make sure that i did work hard at school but at the same time i can take great pride in my hands hurting at the end of every day now so i feel the same way i when i come home and i'm in pain and i'm sore and i'm tired something hurts I said, I earned it. I earned yeah. this, this be tired. I'm in, I deserve to be tired right now because I worked hard. I think that you have a lot of, you, there's, you almost have like an edge on a lot of makers in terms of, I feel like when I talk to a lot of people, especially people with, um, who have decided to just like, this look like fun and I'm going to give it a try. A lot of them don't have the wherewithal and the early understanding of hard work. And I think that because of the way we look at things today and how some people just get some people just get get a, a faster turn at the front than others. They don't realize that sometimes that hard work is something that you either can do or you can't do, you know? Yeah. And and equally there's an there's an element of luck in everything, but I think the harder sure. you work, the luckier you get. But at the same time the people are gonna be slightly luckier than you. And 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 kind of my philosophy on it all is is just like, well, I, I can control how hard I work, and and th that is the only thing I can control. I can't control how lucky I get um, or anything else. So um, the one thing I can control, that's what I'm going to go for. And I I I I I, I think there's another element in me as well as I enjoy watching other people do well, and I like helping right. other people do well. I think sometimes there's a that some people get this concept of. Well, that person's doing so much better than me, and therefore I feel resentful to, towards them. And I, I've just got a philosophy. I don't know why, but I've just got that philosophy. Of, no, I just I'm I'm really proud of, and I might not even have met you, but I'm like I'm proud of what you've achieved and 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 what you've put into it because there must be something somewhere that whether you're lucky or not, 
you must have done something that that you worked hard at some point to to to, to get there, um, and and I just I, I just feel like I, I I'm much more positive from making making myself believe that that is the case rather than sitting there. Oh well, well, I wish I could do that. I wish I could do that. And I think everyone just needs to realise that everything's a priority call. We can't do everything, but right. You, you, if you make the priority calls that that that, that make you happy, and that, and that's another thing is that I just just go and do things that make you happy, not what other people's perception of you as being happy is. A lot of the time, I think some people have just got this perception of what other people think is happiness, and they try and chase that rather than working out now what what actually makes you happy. <laughs> yeah, so. well, I mean, yeah, I'm not a meme guy, but if I were a meme guy, I would say there's the old quote is, is resentment is like drinking poison and, and expecting it to work on your enemy. You know, that's yeah, really yeah. what resentment is. But but back to your family. I, I when I see when I when you hear when I hear the great stories about your uncle and your dad is they were both doing so much you know the I don't know how your uncle could like rectify had he kept in place the idea of being a barge captain and being a woodworker but also being an author where do you think that came from because I mean it is two completely different it's you know creating creating this telling the story but also having you know it a, sounds like he was a historian. How, no, did he, how did he do both? I, I think it was again. He made he made certain priority calls. This is not a guy that would 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 sit down and watch movies and and, and TV. He'd come home from a from a hard day at the at the boatyard, and he'd sit in front of his um his old BBC and computer and with his books and his library, and he'd sit there and do his research, and then he'd start he'd start writing his book. Um, and but then he'd go and make his um make make the dinner, and then. The, then he would come back and do a bit more work. I think it, it, he had a very, very hard work ethic, but he was very quiet with it. Um, and uh, my, my other uncle, who 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 I spent time with out in in Canada as well, he um, he, he was a very sort of similar guy. Although he was my um, he was my mum's older brother, whereas uh, my other uncle was um, uh, via via marriage, um, as it were. So, uh, but. But for, for whatever reason, they had a, a a very very similar philosophy of of uh, yeah we can we can sit down and we can we, we we can relax and we can read books and we can watch some watch some sports if we want to. But we're we're doing we're doing the hard work before we get to that point. And I think it's it, it really is. It's just um, my my other uncle who was a historian. It was his his Netflix was sitting there doing his research and writing his book and. So it was genetic. It wasn't genetic. It was learned. It was yes. learned. You know, you yeah. learned from. So now, your 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 mother's brother yeah. lived in. Was he from Canada? No, no. He he was brought up in the UK. He in his twenties. Um, he 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 met uh, a Canadian uh, lady, my aunt, um, and they moved. I think in the seventies um, out to sort of Nova Scotia. They bought a plot of land and they built their own house. Their own cabin based house um on this i think it was like 120 odd acres in um 
uh, just off of the Trans Canada, and they they built their house, and then they built their business just off the Trans Canada, which was a gift shop, and uh, on, on one level um, that people would tourists would come off the Trans Canada and go and um, look, look at the gifts that they had, which was a lot of handmade jewelry. My my aunt was very much into handmade jewelry, so a lot of that. And then the the lower part of the shop was my uncle's welding shop, and he made wood stoves. Um, which in that part of exceptionally rural Canada, there was the way you were heating your house. There was no gas lines moving about places. It was better, and there wasn't a lot, a lot of electricity. So it was, of course, with a, being abundant timber that a lot of people had wood stoves. So his business was was making the wood stoves, uh, welding those up. Um, and uh, but then we had the, uh, the the shop above. So yeah, and I, I got I, I had a great year living living with them, learning how to weld. Um, learning how to also again to work with wood. Um, he he taught me some different joinery uh, techniques as well. Um, uh, he also taught me how to use a chainsaw and bring bring a tree down and process stuff for firewood. Um, although the the first time I ever split split, split wood, um, we we split into a hornet's nest, uh, oh. and, and me and the other um, the the other young lad who were doing it, we I mean I, we 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 tried to run so quickly, and at one point we were it, the adrenaline was rushing, and we we thought we got away, and we thought well, we've not got stung either of us. Oh, it's pretty. Within a few 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 more seconds, when the adrenaline started wearing off, you suddenly started to feel the pain, and you're thinking. Oh no, I might have got stung there. Oh no, I might have got stung there. We went to a barbecue that evening and we were covered head to toe in stings and sores and we just felt awful. Um, but uh, but yeah, it, I, I, I now can't cut in as, as you were saying about being fearful of a, of a tool that hurt you. I, however much I, I love um, doing uh, processing my own wood for the, for the fireplace here. When I do that first split of any any log, I sit there and wonder what the hell is going to be inside it because of the first one I did was a hornet's nest. So, do you think backing up? Do you think your your how did your mother's family feel about your brother moving to Canada? Were they sad? Uh, I don't I don't know. I've never asked them that. I'm actually going to ask them that. Um, All of us as a family, we're we're close. But we don't need to live close, if you get what I mean. So, yeah, I understand. Um, we, 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 we equally don't need to, to be part of each other's lives um, on, on a regular basis. It's, we can very, very quickly pick up on, on things and, and go from there. And we all know that if anyone needs each other, we'll be there in, in, instantaneously. Um, so I, I, I think that when my probably my, my uncle, which was my mum's older brother, um, when she may have even been too young, I think she was probably in her late teens when when he probably moved moved out there. Um, but because she had her elder sister as well, she probably wouldn't have felt like it was um, that big a deal at the time. But equally. We're quite an adventurous group of people on both sides of my family. Therefore, they, they probably were seeing it as this is a great adventure that that he's going out to to to, to live in Canada and start oh, a business yeah. and start a family. And therefore, it was more sort of cheering them on rather than it, it being a situation where they were missed. Do you think that when you what possessed you to go out with him? Were you guys close when you were at that age? Uh, not really. I mean, he 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 came. They came back. I'd say every like few years. Um, my 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 elder um, um, 
uh, cousin. Uh, she was actually born in the UK, um, whereas my other cousin um, was was born in Canada. But they, they used to come back regularly to see us. And then we were just we were just chatting around the family table one day, and we were talking about different sports, and we were talking about learning different um, different things. Uh, and my uncle just said said I said to my mum said he should come and spend some time with us and I can teach him this and I can teach him that because his, his dad, that's not what his, his dad does. But, but equally, he's going to learn about a different culture, a different way of being. And, and I think this will be really good for him because at that stage, I was quite a shy guy. I was quite very uh, – and I have learned what, about myself now that I'm actually quite introverted even though I can be confident in, in the way I am. Um someone described to me recently that everyone assumes that introverts are very shy people, but actually there's a definition of it that's actually introversion is about you get your energy from being alone. And that's why I quite hmm. like my workshop environment yeah. because I, I do get energy from being alone. I'd recharge my batteries, but I'm, I'm not, I wouldn't say I was shy, but at that stage in my life in, uh, this is like back in the, the, the mid nineties and I was in my mid to mid, mid sort of late teens I, I was still quite shy. I was I was doing fine at school and I was playing all of my sports, but I wasn't really demonstrating um, uh, any outgoing tendencies. And um, and so from that point of view, I think it was my uncle's idea as well. He should come out here and live in a different culture, and 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 and, and that not so we might bring him out of his shell, but it will give him a set of life experiences that he's not going to get in 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 the UK, and particularly living in a in a town which we lived in a town growing up. Um, and, 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 and maybe our way of life would, would, suit him in that stage. And so, yeah, I moved from a, from a town, um, where I could, um, walk to school to, to, to live with, with, with my uncle on a massive, massive property where you, the, the nearest neighbor was miles and miles down the road. And for my cousins to see their friends, it had to be a house party because they were so far apart. Um, uh, and it was, and and it was also the element of that was I would say my first proper job. Yes, I went out and I did the, the days and quite long days working with my dad on some building sites. But this was I went out there to work for him, and it was I got up in the morning and we had our breakfast and we went to work for the entire day. Then we came back and we did some other bits and some chores, and he made me do my chores. But at the other end extreme was was like, and now we've to something you were saying earlier. Now we've just earned the right to sit down and watch a ball game for three hours. Yeah. <laughs> so it was, um, yeah, it, it was great from that point of view, and that's where I. I really got into the idea of nature. I really got into the idea of the outdoors. Um, and that kind of informed a lot of what I wanted for myself as when I came back to, uh, to the UK reasonably quickly after, uh, afterwards, I wasn't, I wasn't there very long, but the property I have now is a small version of, of, of that. It's very, very rural. It's, um, it's in, it's in the nature. We, we, we like, like my uncle, my aunt did, we grow a lot of our own food and we, um, we, I, I chop my own trees down from my woodland here and I process them for our wood stove, which is the main heating source in our house. It's all the things that I, I, I did when I was, was there and I really enjoyed. And I always felt a sense of, of, of pride in the achievement of doing those small things on a day-to-day -day basis. So, were yeah. You, were you nervous being, I mean, you were young. You didn't really know your uncle very well. 
Were you nervous deciding to, I mean, how long did you stay with him for? Uh, I think it was about, it was about six months. Um, a long time. Yeah. Uh, and it was sort of a spring, summer and autumn. Um, and I think that part of it was for me to get to know them better and, and, and spend, and, and spend time with them and, and, and spend time with my cousin as well. Um, because, um, of course, we didn't know them as well because they lived in an entirely different country. And it's, this is back in the mid-90s. We didn't have the, the social media and the, the technology right. to speak to people uh, regularly back then. It was telephone calls and, and, and actual handwritten letters back in those days. So, um, so, so yeah, it, it was also about parting to get, getting to know them as well as understanding a different culture and a different way of living. Um, That's a huge commitment. Yeah. It's a huge commitment because if it's like – if it's like – not working out right off the bat, <laughs> maybe, you know, oh, something came up. I got to go home. Yeah. You know, it's it can be very difficult. But the fact that you were able to, like, kind of bring it together and do that, I mean, it's and it's so isolated. It, it, it's, it sounds like it was an incredible experience. Oh, it, it, it was great. Um, and we did loads of, 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 of great stuff that I wouldn't have got an opportunity to do uh, uh, here um i got a great story we, we we went we went camping and um um uh, me and my uncle and, and and a couple of his friends and we got the campfire going we were making sort of some blueberry pancakes and the sun was just about to get to go down and we were just about to get the guitars out and, and start singing uh, and 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 a, and a guy started he almost appeared from nowhere wearing what looked like to me like an orange cloak I'm thinking, what the hell's going on here? And all of a sudden, he just came to sit down with us, and he was a he was a monk, and he'd been walking for for two days, um, and he came across us, uh, and and he asked, he said, "Do you mind if I sit down and 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 and, and sing some songs with you guys and and, and just chat?" And we're like, "Yeah." Um, and what was interesting to me was I was a bit I was a bit fearful. I'd never come across anybody who was just randomly walking in the wilderness somewhere and would want to spend time with complete strangers that they didn't know. Whereas my uncle and his friends were they were just such relaxed about it. Like, yeah, you go, you come sit down with here. Said, did you want a beer? And he's like, no, no, of course I don't want a beer. He said, well, did you want a pancake? No, 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 no I don't want a pancake. Uh, he said, but uh, but but. Um, what, what he said, but we, we, I'd love to sit here and sing some songs. And, and from the monk's point of view, he's saying it's just the spirituality of of watching you guys uh, sit here and and sing these songs. And my uncle was just joking. He said, he said, we're, we're not going to be doing any religious stuff. We're singing Springsteen and the Stones here, so you've got to get on board with that. Right? <laughs> <laughs> That's but, amazing. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was, but it was a real eye opener for me about that concept of yeah, a stranger could just walk out of nowhere and come sit with us. Um, and and that's why I'm quite um, I'm, I'm I can be quite gregarious in a big public place. I mean, I, I think and something that you may well have experienced. I, I have been to New York a number of times, and 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 you, you you ride the subway, and most of the time, no one's saying anything to each other. And it's very similar with the underground in London. It's just it can be a very uh, a very sterile place where no one wants to make eye contact. And I was I was on right. the, the the tube one day in London, and this this guy was walking up and down playing his guitar and trying to engage with people and he he was generally he, he, uh, he wasn't asking for any money he he had this this thing in him that, that, that Londoners were bitter 
horrible people that needed to be cheered up. And he just wanted to walk around and, and try and convince other people to, to sing with him just so he thought he could make them happier. And I could see he was, he, he was talking um, uh, to, to, these, to these girls and, and they were feeling really awkward about it. And I don't think he was doing it in any way, shape or form to make them feel awkward, but I could tell they felt awkward. So I just said to him, hey, buddy, come over here. I said, what do you want to sing? And everyone sort of looked at me as if to say, what are you doing? I said, no, what, what do you want to sing? He goes, well, we should sing this. I said, I'll sing that with you on, a, on, on, on the tube. But because I had engaged with him and, 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 and done it, and I think there was a, I, I, I remembered that thing with the monk as we did it, and, and he, he was happy that someone had decided to sing with him. He, he, he got off the train and then probably went to go into another train. And a lot of people talked to him and said, thank you so much for that because we all felt so awkward. I said, it was fine. I said, but all the guys do it. He just, he just wants to try and make a few people smile. He's probably got some stuff that he's working on and maybe that's the right thing for him. But um, it was it, but it was it was immediately that that made me think of that time on a on a on a, on a clifftop um, playing playing Springsteen and singing with the monk. It's hilarious. So there's something about camping in general where you are open to strangers. Yeah, you are. You have there. There you have a little bit more compassion. It's it's a, it's a different vi- uh, situation. We my last time camping, I have my friend uh, Andy Barthelmus uh, and I and his high school friends. We we'd go for a overnight hike on this mountain um, by me. In usually it's right after New Year's. So. Usually there's snow on the ground and yeah. it's like very, you know, like cold and it's like, it's like, you know, they bring booze and stuff and, you know, we bring food and I, we make this big food and we stay, it's on the, we're, we live along the Appalachian Trail. So we actually see a lot of hike, hikers going from Georgia up to Maine and it's, it is actually pretty amazing. Sometimes when we're hiking, we talk to them and it's so much fun to kind of talk to hikers and what's that like? You know, you've been going out for six months to, to, to make it to Maine and every time you stop and what was cool about this one uh winter trip is we went up there and we had got there's a lean-to and we were staying at the lean-to and you know we there's a little decrepit fireplace and we were loading up with fire and we had some booze and i was making some food and for for everybody and there were these other hikers and one guy was he looked really cold and he had a lean-to and i didn't think we weren't expecting snow it started to snow really bad and we just we went up to his lean-to up to his little tarp and like come in with us because you know let's just have you know have somebody eat and let's just kind of you know you don't need to sleep out here come with us and it was very much along the lines of that concept of like you are you're on the same trail and you're on the same path and you're you're you know you're showing degree of uh, fellowship which is it it is very unlike normal times but i mean mm. you're all alone and then you're all alone with somebody else and then you kind of have this you know this kind of connection with people that no, definitely yeah. But uh, funny enough, in terms of you know the subways in, in New York, it really re- reminds me is uh, I had Ben Snur on here a while ago, and he, he we were talking about what it's like being on Forge and Fire, and my whole thing was, well, how come you go you go on Forge and Fire and you get knocked off the first round? They don't take you straight to the airport, right? And he goes, no. I said, so what do you do? He's like, well, you can sit around or you know whatever. And I said, well, people should go to New York, especially if they're you know they're getting the trip out here. It's just a train ride. So I basically put it out in the universe saying, look, if you happen to be in Stanford and maybe things didn't go your way, shoot me a DM and I will give you a itinerary for a great day in New York. Yeah. And I got reached out by four people, four different people saying, and it was very funny because it was just like, I'm, uh, I heard you on with Ben saying maybe, you know, I'm stuck here in 
you know, Stanford for no reason. Uh, any suggestions for New York? And then I would give them how to get to, you know, Penn Station and then walking up the High Line. And then here's a couple restaurants along the way. And here's, you know, the best pizzas, John's Bleecker Street. Here's how you go. You can go, you can walk all the way down to, uh, you know, the World Trade Center. From there, you can see uh, the Statue of Liberty. You can hook around. You can go to, you know, I was giving people options. And the one thing I said to every single one of them was, don't be afraid to ask New Yorkers for help. Yeah. Like, like where are things? Because you're going to be surprised. They are New Yorkers are naturally helpful. They just have this kind of prickly outer. You know, movies have made New Yorkers to be like these terrible human beings. And I got a one message back from a guy saying, "I am dumbfounded. I'm from you know deepest darkest part of you know the South, and I was told that you know it's a hellscape in New York, and you know everyone's out to get you and stuff like that." He's like, "People were so nice, yeah. so helpful. I had such a great time." And it was like this. I'm like, "All right, now just tell your friends that it isn't." the way they say it is but that whole idea of you know you asking people for help and being friendly is 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 something that i i really appreciate no I, and, and and you know what that's my experience of of new york and a lot of big cities i think if you um if you walk around scared of those places you're going to see the things that are going to scare you whereas if you try and ask the right questions of of the majority of, of of people who are just going about their day they do want to help and um yeah i i, I the, the times i've been to, to to new york i've had a i've had a great time there and I've, I've been alone there on 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 either work trips or or on my baseball uh trips and um i i can i'm quite happy just sort of um uh just j- just making some friends with people either at a bar and just having a chat with them about something or um, or asking for directions. Well, where should I go tomorrow then? Where should I? Oh, yeah, go and do that. Go and do this. Okay, great. I'll. Uh, so, yeah, um, I, de- I definitely identify with that. So, Before we get into your love of baseball which and the, and the Toronto Blue Jays, I need to know more about when you guys were making these, when you were learning how to weld and you were making these wood stoves, Yeah, how many were you making? We would probably get through two or three a week. Um, oh, so they were really nice. Uh, yeah, they were they were very very nice um, pieces. So yeah, um, my my main job was to um, as, was to make the blanking plates that um, sort of change the airflow because I didn't have to look pretty because um, I was still learning, of course, and it was stick welding. Um, you you. Um, uh, I, I, I could sort of cut my teeth, as it were, on those those blanking plates that allow you to change the airflow, and uh, and 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 therefore my uncle could really he could really focus on the things that made these wood stoves look absolutely gorgeous pieces. So yeah, they they were they they were meant to look like a really traditional Arcadian um, wood stoves um, that that was. Um, very of that particular um, uh, area, um, and uh, again, from a customer service point of view, I, I remember one of the the, the, the funnest um, days we had was when we did a couple of deliveries, uh, and we went to the people's house, and m- my uncle made a big deal of making sure that they they felt great about their new wood stove. He'd show them exactly how to use it. He'd show them exactly how to put the wood in it, how to light. I mean, a lot of the time, I'm assuming these people would have known exactly what they were doing. But there was just an, there was a customer service ethic to it that 
at a reasonably young age and like, you know, this is, this is how you, you, uh, you yeah. need to be working with people. This is, you've got, you've got to, you're not, we're not just making it, leaving it at their doorstep and waving goodbye. It's about, it, it, it's about an item that, that again, is exceptionally important in that part of the world, but it was still felt like a great purchase rather than a necessary purchase. So I'm a super necessary purchase. Yeah. I mean, it was like, I mean, I can't, I, I'm sure you don't have one of those wood burning stoves. Do I do. Yes. You could, you do? Yeah, we, we, we heat our house with wood stove. <laughs> no, no, but the one that your uncle made. Oh, no, no. That would have been the cost of fortune to get here, unfortunately. Yeah. I need to see some pictures of this, these stoves because I, the, I've wanted a wood stove forever, but it's such a production to get one where I live right now that it's just like it's maybe the next house. I would think it would be so much fun building something – like, you know, when we do railings and stuff like that, it's like you put it in and you lean against it and, you know, there you go. But when you're building something and then you're installing it and then you're making it work yeah. for your customers, that has got at their home, that's got to be just an incredible feeling because it's the, the proof is there right there. That's it. It's not just a railing or it's just not just an object. It's this working thing. Yeah. God. Definitely a sense of pride finishing one of those. Yeah. For sure. How many do you think you guys, when in that six months, how many think you guys made? Uh, I, 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 I say I remember doing the delivery of two of them. He would go quite regularly on deliveries. I, 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 I think we probably made in that six months. I did a lot of other stuff like uh, doing a lot of maintenance around the property. And I spent a bit of time up in the gift shop and I did a lot of wood chopping. I think I personally had my hand in about 30 30 stoves wow so yeah. that's so much fun yeah and then when you come home you're about you're now like this burly metal worker and you know now with your love of baseball is your uncle the the, the reason why you love baseball so much I, I, no, I think i just got into it and i i probably um i, I i'm definitely due a catch-up with him at, at, at some stage but he certainly keeps up with it but probably nowhere near as much as i keep up with it whereas i i i will literally cross the calendar for when spring training starts um really oh yeah i'll i'll be um uh, if it if it hadn't been for the pandemic i um i i've i've flown out to toronto for a weekend series for example so um so literally i'll fly out on my own on friday morning from 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 here i'll watch the friday night game and the two day games on the saturday and fly home sunday so i could be back be back home so it feels like i've done that before um so yeah, whereas I, I listen and I'm like yourself, I love my radio, I love my sports talk radio, but I podcast Canadian sports radio stations, and I've um, that typically if I'm not listening uh, listening to, to to you guys or one of the other maker podcasts, I'm listening to Canadian sports radio, and I'm I'm catching up with what's going on with the baseball. I've still got a real interest in some of the other, I would say, U.S. Canadian sports, but nowhere near as much as. As baseball um, the blue jays are doing pretty good this year they they beat the shit out of the yankees a couple of weeks ago it was a sad it was a sad situation in new york a couple of weeks ago it was and and, and especially as uh, we actually had one of our big new pitching prospects um make his debut uh, uh, in, in the bronx which is a uh, they were doing the stats that uh, are the last thing i think last 11 pitchers that have made their major league debut in the bronx um i think they're um 0 and 11 no one's ever won their first game um 
um, uh, in the Bronx, whereas Alec Naloa actually, uh, he, he threw six strong, although it was a shortened game because it was a doubleheader. Uh, he threw six strong and uh, he won the game. So he's the, he's the first, I think, the first debut, Major League debut to win at Yankee Stadium, new Yankee Stadium for sure. Um, well, I, 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 they, it was sad because not only did the Knicks get beat up by the Hawks yeah. in Madison Square Garden, but I was flipping it over to, to listen to the Blue Jays, and the Blue Jays smoked the Yankees. Yeah. It, it was, and then the Yankees go up to the Detroit, and they get smoked by Detroit, too. It was, however, the Yankees aren't out of it. They're only, they're only half a game behind uh, Toronto right now. So Yeah, you know. it's gonna be, I think the East is going to be a really, really uh, dogfight the whole way. I mean, the Rays, the Rays just are going to keep oh. being the Rays. And they, I, they're I still, awesome. It still amazes me to this day that they can, they can keep churning out the teams that they do because they have to let everybody go within five and a half minutes of them becoming good because they can't, they can't pay them, right? Um, but Boston are a massive surprise this year. Um, I, I think I think the Yankees are just uh, got so many injuries right now, but they're 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 living by the skin of their teeth just because of the talent they've right. got. Whereas right. the Jays have just got no bullpen left, and and uh, but we're um, we've we've got some surprise starting pitching, but still not enough. But we just got this lineup full of absolute amazing hitters. I mean, Vladdy's become what everyone hoped he would be. He's got a chance of winning the Triple Crown this year. Um, Bo's just, it's, it's frightening, but we've, we've just got a great, great lineup. Um, and that, and that's what we're living on. So, I mean, everyone always says, I mean, the, the, the AO East is the toughest division in, in baseball. And sometimes it's the toughest, people will say it's the toughest division in, in, in sports, right? Um, but it, it, it certainly feels like a, a great and we'll all be up on 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 Baltimore this year. So there we go. Oh, everyone's up. I mean, but they're 15 games out. I, I mean, they're 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 in the they're in the there is terrible in Baltimore. It's a sad it's a sad situation. Baltimore 15 games back right now. Yeah, but, but so. Go ahead. No, as I say, but that's the other thing is I love about about baseball is it can go in so many cycles. I mean, it wasn't that many years ago that Baltimore got made at the playoffs, and, right. I, and, I, and I like right. that cyclical feel of that. If we're a lot of British sports, if you uh, if if you support a certain team and you live and die by it, you you could not have any glory for many 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 years. Whereas I I do still like the element of of, of baseball that if you hang on long enough and the way the draft works, you should be able to see something that will make you happy. Again, so I mean the Cubs. I mean the Cubs are the perfect example. Exactly. Yeah. The one thing my 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 wife's father, who passed away, was a diehard Cubs fan. And when the Cubs won the World Series, we all were just like, he really missed. He, this would have been like the greatest thing that ever happened in his life, you know. And I think that especially for I would I'm interested to know what it's like being you know in the UK and being a. a a big baseball fan are you alone do you have are there other people that you know who are baseball fans or do you have to like live vicariously through the internet and and, and no fans through the internet no very much vicariously through the internet it's um i think i think there is there is um baseballs are probably a little bit more popular than um than it, than it used to be in the uk but a lot of that's the expat community, which we base more around the cities, particularly London. Um, but there's, 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 um, you, you could still play baseball. There's, there's, a, there's actually a few leagues here still in the UK based around 
um, but again, mainly based around um, London. Um, but no, it, it, it's 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 very much that. I mean, I've been. I think I was one of the first ever subscribers to to MLB TV when it came out in like two thousand and nine, and I've had a premium subscription to that ever since it it came out because I was I was into it. And um, I think when I first came home from Canada, my it was um it was like it was almost like an exchange. We, we'd send my uncle sort of newspaper clippings of um his, his beloved Arsenal, uh, who was his football team, right. uh, and he would send me uh, clippings back of uh, box scores and, and that kind of thing. So yeah. Yeah, it was um, it was a, an interesting uh, uh, sort of exchange from that point of view. But that's where I feel like again, the internet has hugely helped the sports become much more global. And I, yeah. I, I, even the point of view, my other big sporting passion is rugby, um, which is again a very British sort of. Uh, I say it's British. I mean, it's massive in in Australia and New Zealand and South Africa um, and, and certain parts of Europe. But I remember going to Toronto the last time, and and, and I was a, I was walking through a beer festival um, just below the CN Tower, just before I was about to go to the game in the evening, and I walked past this guy wearing a Welsh rugby top, and I thought. I was not expecting to see someone in a Welsh rugby top walking through a beer festival in Toronto. And, and, I, and I had to, I walked up to them and said, are you Welsh? He goes, no, no. He said, I'm, I'm, I'm from Toronto. He said, but I love my rugby. And I said, well, I'm actually, I actually live in North Wales. I'm a massive Welsh rugby fan. And we just sat there chatting and having a beer before I had to go watch the baseball. And again, he said, oh, yes, I got into it because it was just on the internet and I really fell in love with the game. And yeah, but he was wearing a Welsh rugby top. It was completely uh, uh, strange, but great at the same time. The interesting thing is, is that most makers are generally aren't sports fans that I've met. A lot of them aren't, especially baseball. I think that in, in the United States, there are a lot of football fans. Yeah. But I think that there are less basketball and ba- baseball fans in the maker community. And for me, I grew up, you know, going to Yankee Stadium. We could just jump on the five train and go to Yankee Stadium. Yeah. And I'm going to make, at the end of this, I'm going to make you an offer that you're not going to be able to refuse. So we would go to the Yankee Stadium. And sometimes you'd go to Shea Stadium and see the Mets and stuff like that. But it really was for us, and I might have said this before, but I'm going to say it again. 9-11 was one of those things, being in New York was just like a horrendous moment. And when the Yankees played in October and Derek Jeter took the field, I get goosebumps even talking about it. When Derek Jeter took the field and the whole crowd cheered, it was like, we can get on with our lives. This is going to be over. And I feel like when I follow New York sports, especially this, you know, Knicks were in the playoffs and been in the playoffs in a long time. And it was a sad, it was a sad way to go because they had such a great season. And then the Yankees, you know, you, I, we go to, we, my wife gets us tickets. She surprises me now. She just calls me up. She says, I got tickets and we can take the train from our house and right to Yankee stadium, which is a lot of fun. Fantastic. And it's just like, it is, there's nothing like being in a ball game. And it was like, for me, my wife got tickets for us on for Father's Day at the end of the month. We're going to go see the Yankees. And it's this bomb. You know, New York sports in general is like, especially after the pandemic, this is the thing to bring us back from what we've been through. And it's like this moment where we're all here to cheer. And it's just, it's so great. And at our home now, we listen to, uh, I have Sirius XM and we listen to, I have games on in the house. As soon as I walk into the house, I take the my I take it and we allow listen to we listen to I look at the see who's playing tonight and it all depends. I'm not, I'm not going to listen to the Mets, but I'm going to if the Yankees are playing, we're going to listen to the Yankees. If the you know when the Knicks are in the playoffs, we were we were listening to the playoffs and 
there is something about sports that is a healing thing, and I think a lot of it as a communal as a communal event that's like you know kind of politics aside, you can really kind of lose yourself in these sporting events. Yeah, and and, and as you say, politics aside, I think with the sports is it it gives a, it gives people an outlet to to have a good argument about something without it really being a serious argument. You can you you you, you can blow off that steam. You can have a few beers. You could you can have a a good few opinions and and wait people off and and it but it's done in a kind of a, a safer space and you can it, it, it's a release of 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 tensions for a lot of people and I, I really believe that so no i'm i'm i am looking forward hugely to the day where i can walk back into a stadium to watch watch a game of baseball watch a game of rugby um it'll be it'll be huge the next time we can do that well, this past weekend was uh, the Blade Show, and they're right walking distance from the Braves Stadium. Yeah. So every year, Jared Thatcher and I, of uh, Boot Hill Blades, he and I see, let's see, maybe the, the, the Braves will be playing during um, Blade Show. And then what we'll do is we'll go to Blade Show, and then we'll go to see a Braves game, and then we'll go back to the Blade Show. And this was the one year. A couple years ago, it didn't happen, and then this year we were. Uh, we I saw some knife makers were doing just that. They went to go see a Brave. They walked over to the break from the Cobb Center. You walk right to Brave Stadium. It's an awesome stadium, by the way. We had, my business partner and I had dinner there. And we did a deal with a, with a restaurant tour at a place there. And we had dinner. That is an awesome stadium, and it was so much fun. All I could think of was, God damn, I wish there was a game going on right now. I love to sit <laughs> yeah. in that thing. And in terms of baseball, this is something that was really interesting. I had a friend of mine growing up. I had a friend of mine. Who he and his younger brother lived in the Bronx, right next to Yankee Stadium. And I told this to my wife, and his parents both worked, and you know they had to. He, the older brother, who was my uh, um, my high school, uh, you know, high school classmate. He was looking after his brother, and what you could used to be able to do at Yankee Stadium was you used to go and be able to get bleacher seats. And you, they were, you know, five bucks, something like that, and like nothing. So when the when the when the teams were home, he would take his younger brother. They would have their backpacks. They would go buy some bleacher tickets. They went to the same place every time. All the people selling the popcorn and all the you know the people who worked there knew him and his brother. And they would sit in the bleachers and do their homework until their parents got home. Brilliant. And it was so cool because it was like this another once again it was like this moment where he knew the ushers he knew the people at the stadium he knew the same people would be at the same places and he he'd watch his younger brother and get him a hot dog or whatever get him ready to you know go home they'd do their homework watch the game and then the parents would be home and then they would be home and it was like it was this really very you know, picturesque thing that you know it just one of those things is just baseball is one of the greatest things and here's my offer to you if the world gets back together. You come to New York, you come up here, we'll forge some things, and we'll walk down to the train station and go right to Yankee Stadium. Deal done. Deal done. Absolutely. We'll do that. We're going we're gonna to do that. We're going we're gonna to make that happen. And, and that's, that's one of the best things about they just made a train station so we can walk from our house to the train, and then it's right at Yankee Stadium. It's like wow. the, the, it's one of the best things. The, the only bad thing is everyone pregames. So people get like cases of Bud Light and they're just like, you know, horking it down on the train. So it's like people are getting ready to get because it's like, you know, a hot dog in Yankee Stadium is like $15. It's like so every so a beer is like $17 and everyone is getting blitzed on the train beforehand. But, you know, what can you do? I, the last time I went to Yankee Stadium, I, I wanted to try one of the um, the New York deli sandwiches. And unfortunately, because I'd, I'd, I'd been to some of the... Uh, 
a fantastic sandwich stores. Um, actually, um, uh, I think the last, the one, the best one I had was somewhere. I can't remember the name of it. Somewhere on Bleecker, but it was it was lovely. But the one at Yankee Stadium was awful. It was so disappointing. Oh, yeah, it's so bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The, 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 it is fun. It is fun getting like the traditional stuff there. But like, yeah, the food you can't you can't go you can't you're not gonna have a good experience if you no. eat the food there. And now you can't even bring food in. You used to be able to. You could bring a picnic. Now you can't even do that. Yeah. So here's a question. I want to go back. I want to go back a little bit just because out of curiosity and something I remembered. Why do firefighters have side work? Because this is like, here in the United States, this is, we make jokes. I make, I have firefighter friends. They got like landscaping businesses. They got, you know, contractor businesses. You don't see like police, and they have a similar, a similar shift, uh, pattern, yeah. shift pattern where it's like three days on, four days off or whatever. Why do these fire? Why is it firefighters who are taking on all this side work? That's like the oldest trick in the book. It is, uh, and 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 it's. Um, my my dad always said it. It's just. It's just. It was almost the the, the the done thing. I mean, a lot of the time, and I don't know if it's different for for, for police or or, or 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 health workers. It's. A lot of the time, I think they, they, they had this concept of you, you could go days and not do what you were trained to do. And therefore, you felt like you you had to go away and do some other work to feel like you were doing something. Um, uh, that I think that was, that was a lot of the philosophy of, of, of the guys. I, 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 I grew up around that that fire station and, and and the guys that my dad dad worked with I, I know them all by name i still know them all by name today i've got on golf trips with them so i know them really well but every one of them did something else whether they were a plumber or an undertaker or a um or a or a builder or a, they all did something and um, but I, one of them i remember saying to me said we we we, we spent we can spend days not doing what we're trying to do and therefore you feel like you want to go out and get a sense of of, of, of achieving something he said but it it and then you build it into your working life and it's part of what you do and you make commitments and then when you go on that big fire and you go on that 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 very very big job you you could feel so drained by it and therefore you're, you're losing you're losing the will to go on and do that that do that second job um but to this but I've never known any of them shirk away from something. I just don't think you can do that kind of profession and see the things that a lot of those guys see and train for what they train for without having a massive commitment to to working hard and, and wanting to do the right thing. Because uh, my dad will tell you there's the, 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 there's a reason that you have to pay firefighters via taxed income because – if they were private, they would literally they they could literally charge you anything that you you would give your entire life savings for them to go in and, and save your family in that fire. So, um, but my experience, the majority of firefighters, they would probably all do it for for, for, for not for the money. It's just a, I think you've just got to be a kind of person that right. that emotionally can deal with the things that you're going to see and can emotionally commit to the hard work that it takes. Because if you if you're there sitting there thinking, well, my uh, my shift's finished now, I'm clocked off. Don't get me wrong. There's a time when they had to. They were told for health and safety purposes, but. If they were at a massive fire, so many of them would stay on and do the overtime because they just knew that it took it took more than your normal average hours to get things done, and they thought they would hang around for it. So, so 
you come back from you come back from Canada, you're back into you do some corporate work. Now, what got you into making furniture full time? Because I know you were a furniture maker for 20 years. Yeah, um, I think in the early days it, it came back and it was it was my 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 hobby. But then it was a scenario where my my, my wife and I got our first our first house and we, we we didn't have loads of money and therefore I thought well I can make that I can make this and uh, and and it was something that I'd learned to do so much of that stuff before that I was like, okay, this is again, reminding me of, of good times I'd had building with my dad, building with, 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 with my uncles and, 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 and that kind of thing. So, um, it, it, it was initially a bit of a hobby, but at the same time, a, a way of getting some nice things that, that we couldn't necessarily always afford. And it went back to, I didn't just want to diet, buy something off of, off of the rack as, as it were, cause I wouldn't have a sense of connection to it. Um, and then people would say, well, that would be nice. Could you make me something like that? And, it, and that, I think, is a, is, is a similar story for a lot of people. It grows and grows and grows. Right. Um, and I, I would say it was probably about seven or eight years ago that I, I started doing some 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 commission pieces. And it was it was early in 2018 that I, I decided that, no, I, I, I want to turn this into a business. I've learned enough about running my other business that – I, I, I developed, as it were, processes and doing the things that you have to do to run a business to to get them them those things down. That I felt like I could therefore direct my energy into making making the furniture and being a designer and letting the creative side really really come out. Um, and I think it has really been in the last sort of few years that I've I've. I've really been able to switch on that creative side of my brain. It, it, it always had the opportunity, but doing it from a sense of this is going to be my main job, hopefully in the not too distant future. Um, the, it, 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 it was the drive as well as the, 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 the passion for both things. So yeah, creating the business in, in, in 2018 was, was, was big. Um, I think building the workshop was, 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 it was, a huge time and I was good enough that we had a good year with our, with our other business that meant I could afford to, 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 to build the workshop. Cause it, it um, it was a, uh, it was an expensive piece, even with me doing all of the, all of the work. And then um, I, I, I'm in the, the, the really good part at the moment where I, 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 I can afford to reinvest a lot of the money um, that the business is making into making it even more efficient um, in in the future. So that when we, when I can com- completely focus on this full time, um, um, and 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 therefore maybe get a bit of time back for me and my wife to do some more of the other stuff that we've uh, we've not been able to do because essentially I'm doing two jobs. Um, it, it 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 will be. Um, all of the investment would have been done up front. So, yeah, I'm 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 looking forward to a to a time where it is the the when I say the full time gig, I do full time hours on it now, but I also do full time hours on 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 the other business. So it 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 is it is a situation where I'm looking forward to um, 
being in a decent financial position where I can take the risk of of, of it being full time. But it, it's strange. We're, 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 we're having the conversations at the moment, and because the business is doing well, and I am turning work away, I, I might be in the enviable position to actually say, "Well, actually, we can stop this other business, and we can you can focus on that." But there's there's just that little thing that says our, our mortgage isn't too far off in the distance. Let's just get that out of the way, and therefore we've, uh, we're in a we're we're in a much better position to take the risk. So, wow. Wow. I, I, I love, I love it. And, and I, lo- I can't believe, I mean, I can believe it, but the fact that you have 15 pieces coming up, do you still love it? Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think it's, um, I, 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 I think I talked to Chris and Roy about this. I still get people coming with, with pictures of stuff and saying, can I, can I build this? Can, can you build this for me? I'm like, what shop did it come from? They said, Oh, so-and-so I said, you could go and buy it for half the amount of money I'm going to charge you to build that. And they're like, right. Oh, but but we really want you to build it. I'm like, well, why? I said, oh, because we, we we want it to look. We do want it to look exactly like this, but um, uh, but but we, we just want you to make it. And I, and I, and I don't want to be horrid to them and say, why is it you want me to make it if you can go and buy that exact piece that you really like, um, and you can get it get get it half the price? I said, well, it, it's the ethos um, that 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 you come you come out with. I said, in that case, then is this your perfect piece? No. Well, then let's sit down and plan what your perfect piece is going to be, and let's actually do the design stuff. Whereas if the client said, no, no I just want this one exact one, I'm going to go. I'm not for you. I'm, 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 I right. enjoy working with you and, and creating something that's unique to you and your situation, and we can we can have fun doing something and being creative on on something. If you want that exact piece, go and buy that exact piece because um, it, it, that's 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 the right thing that for you. So I do I do turn that kind of work. Um, um, probably away, um, but and and that's the thing. I get the I get the opportunity to be passionate about every piece that I'm making and work with work with the clients on it. And and, and don't get me wrong, this is not a Nirvana. I'm I I I I can get properly stressed out about delivering things on time, and I put a lot of pressure on myself to hit the original deadline that I've given clients. Even to the point where some of them have said, "You realise that I, I saw on Instagram the other night that you were working on our piece at three o'clock in the morning." I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, we're, I'm trying to make sure I can hit that deadline." And they're like. You, you don't need to, right? We, we, we'll, we'll wait another extra two weeks for it. We can see that you're working hard. You're not sitting around just letting the grass grow. Take the extra two weeks. I'm like, you know, but I'm, I said I'd do it. I put a lot of pressure on myself, and therefore it's not a, it's not a situation where I'm, um, it, 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 it's that, that wonderful nirvana, but I'm, I'm comfortable that um, I've learned enough about myself that when it is the completely full-time gig, I'll know when to switch it off, even though I can be a bit right. of a workaholic. Um, it's, um, but no, it, I, I, I think it's just as long as I'm passionate about the piece, there's still stress that comes with that. But actually anything that you are passionate about does actually come with a bit of an element of stress in my experience as well. So. That is a hundred percent true. I I've definitely felt that way about like I get crazy about uh, deadlines, and like I, what I try to do is I get a deadline and I try to back it off a few days. I love coming in a few days early, so I know exactly what you're talking about about yeah. that. 
So what's next? What's next for you? I think it will get to the point where this it is the full time gig, um, uh, and which means I can uh, I can get back into the uh, in, into the garden with my wife, who's uh, who's done a stunning job single handedly for the last two years, um, running our small holding here. Where it comes to the growing of the, 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 the all of our lovely um, um, plants and flowers and our vegetables and stuff like that, um, I. I, I I, I, I'd like us for us to have more of the animals that, that we have with all of our animals rescue. So I feel like if I wasn't doing another full-time job, I could put, we could both put more time into having more rescue animals. And, and that would be a, a, a real, again, another passion project for, for, for both of us. Um, and I, and I, and I just feel like I want to grow the business, not, ever to a point where I need to take on a lot of staff to get through the work because then I'd, I'd lose the reason that it's that I'm doing it. Um, but I would like to, to, to broaden the, 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 the YouTube channel a bit more um, and, and probably put more in that because I'm only probably doing a video every two to three months. And I'd, if I could do it, a situation where I could do maybe a couple of months and, and do, and, and then keep up, to, uh, to speed with all the Instagram stuff at the same time, but then start offering the courses. Um, I'm really inspired by the, a, a lot of the, the makers that, that do production work, but also find time to do the, do the courses. Um, and I, and I want to do more courses myself, um, uh, uh, whether that be furniture or doing another blacksmithing course or, or even learning some leather work. I, I, I really want to sort of dive into, to learning some other, other mediums. Um, but, but metal definitely, as you were saying at the, at the beginning of, I, 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 I definitely feel like there's a metal worker in here, uh, in, in here somewhere. So, um, I am, I'm, I'm looking forward to incorporating metal a bit more into the furniture work as well. Mark Peacock, unbelievable, dear River Craftsman. I, what a story we got! I know we have a couple more in us, so we're gonna. We're, I'm gonna have to have you. Definitely have to. You're gonna come back. Fantastic. And then, but when you when we come to New York, you come up here. We'll figure it out. Train down the Yankee Stadium. It'll be great. Sounds absolutely fantastic. Sport, well, sports making and then uh, uh, sounds. Fantastic. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna do blacksmith. We're gonna forge something or do something, and then we'll go straight to the Yankee game. We'll, right. we'll walk to the Yankee game. So the, here's the last thing I wanted to do a little bit of a cleanup. You know, when I try to do this podcast, I want it to be singular. I want I want every episode to be singular because what happens is is I don't want there to be like inside jokes people don't understand or whatever. So I try to make everything si- singular, and it's been great. I also think about people's parents, and I think you know people. I don't want people people's parents to say what did what did he mean when he said that so i really try to make everything very singular but last episode jordan lamote was on and when i asked him to come on it was just happenstance i didn't realize i wasn't really thinking about the timing and everything i didn't know he was going to go down a blade show and as it came he sent me a message he says can we just change it because i'm going to go to a blade show in the afternoon if we do it in the morning so we changed the schedule around i did not know that he was testing for master bladesmith so i knew it i knew i'd met him when he uh, when he got his ju- uh, his uh, journeyman smith at the ABS, and it was such an extraordinary experience because as we were talking, he drops the bomb. Wow, I'm actually going down to Blade Show because I'm testing for Master Smith, and we just discussed it. We discussed all the things he was making, and you could tell he was nervous and this, that, and the other thing. And there was this moment in between when the episode dropped to when he was being tested that it was like 
I was getting all these messages. Well, what's happening? Did he get it? What did he not get it? Did he? And then I started getting messages of like, well, you know, if he doesn't get it, we're going to blame you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be the, if, if, he, if, 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 if Jordan didn't get the mastered bladesmith designation, I apparently was going to be at, for the reason I would have put the can of her on him. I give him the evil eye and I jinxed him. Well, he passed his Master Bladesmith. Not only that, he took away the BR Hughes Award. He got the Best Fixed Blade Award, and he got the Best in Show Award. Jordan Lamote rolled that whole show up. He rolled the whole show up. He was he he rolled all the Blade Show up, and we just wanted to, I just wanted to say it was extraordinary opportunity to be able to talk to him beforehand, and it was really fun. And to those people who said they were going to blame me for when he didn't get it, I didn't hear a thing. I didn't hear any congratulations to me for him getting it. So I'm I know who you are, and at some point, you know, you know what you know what to do. Um, you were going to say? You were going to say I was going to say massive congratulations to him. I was uh, I was listening to that um, uh, that 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 one last week on my way down to um, um, uh, to to a job, and I and I literally I I knew the judging would have had to have happened by then. I pulled the van over in the service station so I could go on to uh, on 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 onto his page to see if he'd uh, if he got his certificate. And uh, yeah, he, he he had the uh, the picture of him winning it, not only getting his certificate but winning best in show. So I immediately reached out to him. And and say congratulations, uh, mate. So no, it was it was it was really really funny. Uh, that and, was and, so cool. Yeah. And it, I'm sorry, you were, I interrupted you. you no, no, exactly. That I was just to say it was it was it was it was really great to listen to the episode and then straight away go, yes, he did it. Brilliant. <laughs> yeah, that was that was one of those moments. It was you know radio. The great thing about radio is these live events, these live moments that you feel feel a part of, and that was like the closest thing to being involved with a live event. So he he's such a good good kid and he was so you know underspoken in terms of all that stuff and he didn't tell anybody and then he can't come up and dropped on us and you know it, it was it was super super cool so i just wanted to you know send uh go definitely listen to the last episode with jordan lamote and know that was right before he went down at blade show and it was a lot of fun so there's that um and then i want you to guys do me a favor besides going to AK Interactive and getting yourself a good website for, with Andreas Kalani. And besides going by on the Axwax, axwax.us, or go to Toby, what is he, a UK knife maker supplies, put in the full blast 10. Go to nickrossyknives.com and go get his course. It's a one hour course on how to forge a knife. And I'm going to tell you why. He is the best teacher of forging knives and explaining the why, the what, the how. He explains it so smart on why you pick, to make a chef's knife, why you pick this design, why you do this. He explains why, how you pull a heel down, make a 90 degree from your handle. It is worth every penny, even if you're not a knife maker and you just want to know what the hell we're talking about. This is for you. It's a great um, opportunity to learn and to be spoken to by someone who is a real teacher who understands what is going on. So Nick Rossi is going to be on next week. I watched it. I watched it at like five o'clock in the morning on Saturday. And I was like, I learned a pile from it and he's great. He's going to be on next week. And um, yeah. So Mark, thank you so much. Uh, Everybody go to deer underscore river underscore craftsman on Instagram. Follow Mark there. Go check out his website, deerrivercraftsman.com. 
Definitely watch his YouTube videos. Uh, high marks to all of them. I enjoyed all of them. Red Pine Table looked a lot of fun. The workbench was the, go watch the workbench because this moment of sheer joy of not you know dropping that thing on his fi- foot because <laughs> that's what it felt like. Uh, Mark, thanks again for coming on and thanks for being so you've been such a huge supporter of this podcast and what we're doing. And I really appreciate you and I appreciate everything you know you've done for me. No, thank you so much for having me on. Been a been a real pleasure and an honor. And uh, a, a thank you to you as well. Well, Jeff, because I'm, I'm, I'm sure people don't realize how much work that you have to put onto it and to do it every week for now over the last uh, last year is um, I think there's a lot of us that look forward to to to, to, to this. And it's a it's a great podcast for us to listen to, uh, in, whether it's in shops, in cars, whatever it be. So thank you very much for doing it. Well, it's my pleasure. I thank you very much. And guys, next week, that you're very kind. You're very kind. I don't take compliments well, but I'm trying to take this one well. I thank you so much. I, I really appreciate it, Mark. Um, it's been a lot of fun. Guys, we'll see you next week with Nick Rossi. Bye-bye. The Full Blast Podcast is proudly sponsored by Axe Wax, an all-natural, food-safe wax for coating your handles. It can be used on your axes, your knives, or even on your boots, with the full confidence that Axe Wax is safe and durable. Furthermore, if you use the promo code FULLBLAST10, you will get a special 10% discount on your order. So go to axewax.us and get yourself some of the most luxurious wax for waxing your axe. If you like this show, take a look at our other shows made for makers just like you at www.makery.network. You can probably treat yourself to an ad-free upgrade or at least grab an extra latte. After getting a Chime checking account with features like fee-free overdraft up to $200 with SpotMe, no minimum balance requirements, and no monthly fees. Open your account in minutes at Chime.com goals24. That's Chime.com goals24. Chime. Feels like progress. Banking services and debit card provided by Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. Members FDIC. SpotMe eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply.